Good morning. Hey, you know, uh, let me let me begin with let me begin with this. Uh, it's got nothing to do with the message. Uh, I love when I get a chance to hear insider talk about. Uh, like inner trade secrets of how an industry to us take out the handout sheet that was given to you at the front door and I'm going to draw your attention to the fill in the blank. I want to begin by sharing this with you. Y'all know what viral videos are? Viral videos, in case you do not know, is there's a thing called the internet. It's been around for a little while. On the internet, people make stupid videos. Now, when you find a stupid video that particularly makes you laugh, you then have to share it and make other people less intelligent as well. So what you do is you send your cat video to everyone you know. They then share that same dumb cat video with everyone else they know. And then eventually it takes over the world. That's a viral video. Christianity started by going viral. It started by people sharing with people sharing with people sharing with people sharing. And if it started that way, that's the way it's going to continue to grow. The fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you is this. Impacted people should talk about it. Impacted people should talk about it. Are you talking about Jesus anymore? Are you sharing the stories about the cool stuff that God does? Is God not still doing cool stuff? See, God is still doing the incredible work of saving people. I don't know if you knew that. But he's actually still transforming people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. God is still doing the miraculous. We still have miracles happening in here on a weekly basis. Are we talking about that stuff? Are you talking about church? Are you talking about the fact that you love to be here? That at any time you never know what's fully going to happen at church, right? What I shared uh, with the first service was that As I emerged out of the restroom this morning before the first service, my belt broke. At any time, my pants may fall off right now. You never know what's going to happen at church. What I'm saying is that in in this place, maybe God has a message for you. Maybe God has something that he's going to do. Maybe maybe you're going to come in and this is going to be the day that he's going to give you breakthrough. That maybe today is the day that you just come in and you feel like when you worshiped him, he appreciated it. Maybe today's the day he's going to smile at you and he's going to tell you, I love you. And it's not going to feel like every other time he says, I love you. It's like the one time that you've been longing for. Maybe that you're going to talk about how at church you met some of the best friends of your life and they've been lifelong friends to where you share your deepest secrets with and you pray for one another. Maybe you can talk about the fact that at church you finally got on the same page and your marriage began to advance forward. All I'm saying is, are you talking about what God's doing? We should have an overattendance problem. We should have a problem in our lives where we have too many friends. We should have a problem in our lives about we have too much ministry. Why? Because we keep talking about the goodness of God. Are you talking about it? I would suggest to you that even though a miracle happened 10 years ago, it's still incredible. And I think it still needs to be told. Quick show of hands. How many of you have ever had a miracle experience in your life? Huge amount of you. Why are we not talking about it? We got to talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. You got to talk about it with people that need to hear it. Christianity always expresses itself and expands through witness and testimony. We got to talk. We got to tell people we needed to continue to go viral, not just once, but continually because God keeps doing a fresh thing. 
We're going to go ahead and grab Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, pull it together in a combined account, throw it up on the screens here. Remember where we left off in history. Jesus Christ has come back from the dead. The women came to the tomb to anoint the body and they saw the door was open. Mary Magdalene from a distance saw that, took off, ran and said, Peter and John has to know. The other woman hung around, looked in, saw some angels. The angels said, he's alive. You need to go tell the disciples. Well, somehow they got hijacked. Somehow they, they didn't get to the disciples yet. Peter and John had already run in, checked it out. They didn't see the Lord. So they go running back home. John thinks he's alive. Peter's not quite sure. Mary comes trailing in after them because she's doing all the running. She comes in trailing after them and she is at the open tomb. And that's where our story begins. And it sounds like this. Now, when he, when Jesus rose from the grave early on the first day of the week, and that is the reason why the Christian church shifted from a Jewish context of worshiping on the Sabbath to worshiping on Sunday mornings. That's kind of how it all got kicked off was because of the resurrection. Now, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week on Sunday, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. Now, scholars don't know whether or not she had literally seven demons or because the number seven is so significant in the Bible, it means fullness or completeness. Does it mean she was totally possessed or does it mean she literally had seven demons? doesn't really matter. Either one is not good, <laughs> right? Now, most of you in this, before you knew Jesus, some of you guys were kind of polite. Some of you were just jerks. Um, some of you are really bad people. Not a whole lot of you were demon possessed. There are some. I've seen that freedom happen at our church. So yes, it is realistic. That's a story you got to keep telling. This is a story that Mary Magdalene was so clear about telling that somehow it got to the gospel writer who wrote it down and we've been telling it ever since. That she once was not just in the kingdom of darkness like everyone else was in the kingdom of darkness. She was consumed, overpowered, and owned by the devil. And Jesus set her free. How awesome is that? How do you not tell that story? I used to have no hope and only saw darkness and now I have victory. How do you not tell that, right? I mean, that's awesome. But understand, every single one of us, whether we've been possessed or not, there was a time when we were lost and now we are found. We should tell that story. It's important. Meanwhile, Mary, back from telling Peter and John about it, and she trails in after them. They already bailed out. She stood weeping outside the newly opened tomb. This word in Greek is not a... <laughs> it's a... That kind of thing. That's only to keep people awake. <laughs> Mary stood weeping outside the new tomb, uh, the newly opened tomb, and then she wept. As she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, but didn't go in. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, "Woman, why are you weeping?" She said to him, "They, somebody, have taken away my Lord, my Master, and I don't know where they laid him." Mary is undone because the one that she loves the most is gone. And unless she finds him, she's not okay. What is significant about this is she doesn't react to the angels. Why? Everyone else, when they see angels, they freak out. Everybody has to change their undergarments after that. You know what I'm saying? 
I mean, when you get into the presence of an all-powerful type, not all-powerful, but super, I mean, just way above us. If, if you're in the presence of a heavenly being, everybody hits the deck. They all fall down. They freak out. The angels always have to go, it's cool. I'm not going to kill you. They always have to have this dialogue. Yet she doesn't even react off of them. That's wild. You go, well, maybe she didn't know that they were angels. There are dudes sitting in the tomb. And they're like, why are you weeping? She didn't go back and go, hey, get out of his tomb. What are you doing? She knows something's different. It's the same angels the other group of women just saw who have gleaming white garments. So I'm pretty sure she knows they're an angel. Why doesn't she react off of it? Because it's not Jesus. She doesn't care. She is so focused on one mission. I have to find my Lord. I don't care if you're shiny or not. Are you Jesus? No, then forget it. What I think is interesting as well, one commentary said this. I thought it was brilliant. They said, notice how the angels were positioned. One was at the head and one was at the foot. Why is that important? Is it because angels can't sit together? No. It's because they were demonstrating something. There is another place of God's presence, a very special box by which angels sit apart, one on one side, one on the other, facing each other. Where is that but the Ark of the Covenant? They have their wings outstretched to one another. What does it say dwells in between them? But the mercy seat, the place where God's presence would dwell, where the high priest would communicate with God. Is it not intriguing that you have one angel on one side, one on the other, and in the middle was where Jesus' body was, where there's a new mercy seat that because of his walk through the cross, he has opened up a way by which we might have his mercy. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So she doesn't react off all this because the one that she loves, he's gone and she can't handle it. And so the angels ask her a question, why are you crying? Now that can just be a prep question to draw her in, or it can be a legit question. They could be saying, in effect, uh, I'm sorry, I'm missing why you're crying. An empty tomb is a good thing. Why are you still sad? And she answered, because I don't have my Jesus and I don't know where he went. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, waiting nearby, but she didn't know it was Jesus. So the whole time she feels abandoned, he's right there. The whole time that she's crying out, why did you leave me, master? He's right there. But she can't tell. She can't track on him, so she assumes that if she's not tracking on it, that it's not really happening. Is there a problem with that? Yeah, there is. He's so close. And it's so interesting how many of us feel that exact same way every time we pray. God, where are you? Why are you so far away? I'm right here. Shh, quiet. I'm talking. Lord, I am abandoned here. No, you're not. Yes. God, I don't understand. Feels like my prayers aren't going anywhere. Well, they don't have to go very far because I'm right here. You understand what I'm saying? I can't feel you, Lord. I'm right here. How do we know that he's right there? Because he promised he would never leave nor forsake us. If you are a child of God, your prayers are always heard. I need you to hear that again. If you're a child of God, your prayers are always heard. Amen? Whether you feel it or not is not reality. It's just how you feel. Whether or not you see it is quite a different matter. Understand that Jesus is standing right there. It doesn't mean she doesn't love him that she can't see him. Nobody loves him more than Mary Magdalene, and she still can't see her Lord. It it doesn't mean a lack of love. It doesn't mean that he's not interested in you because he chooses to, what, cover himself, shield himself, whatever you want to call it? 
to make himself secret, but he's still there. Do you realize that Jesus is in our midst right now? Do you understand that the Holy Spirit is present among us? The answer to that is absolutely yes. Now, if I took a quick poll and I said, how many of you feel the Holy Spirit in this room? That would only be a handful of you. But that doesn't mean it's not true. It just means that some of you track on it and some of you don't. There are some of you that have spiritual insight. You were built in such a way by God that your gifting allows you to supernaturally see things. I don't have that. There have been people that have said to me after I finished teaching, did you know there was a huge angel behind you? No, I didn't know that. That would affect my speaking style. And because I move around so much, you never want to step on an angel. That's terrible. (laughs) If I knew that, I'd be derailed. God knows that, so he doesn't show me. He shows other people. Now, some of you have that. You call it a curse. I call it a blessing. The only question is we just have to hone it in and harness it for the kingdom of God. I understand it's weird. I understand that some of you see stuff and you go, gosh, I wish I didn't see that stuff. I got to tell you that you're a necessary part of the body. All right, so we got to learn how to get together and figure that stuff out because we need all the gifts utilized here, but I understand it's hard on you, all right? But what's intriguing is just because you don't see him doesn't mean he's not here. He's walking among us right now. There are supernatural forces at work in this place. I would suggest to you that there are angels encamped about us. Why? Because God takes his kids very personally. There is a reason why the gates of hell are not prevailing here. There is a reason why we are not being completely destroyed by distraction. Do you really think the enemy is just going to let us have one Sunday off? No way. The only reason that he's not doing more work here is because of the restraining of the kingdom of God to shut him down. God is in our midst, and that makes all the difference. It says this, Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Now, he knows full well, so he's trying to draw it out of her. Whom are you seeking, he said. Notice he didn't say, what are you looking for? He said, whom are you looking for? So whoever this guy is, he has some insight, and he knows that she's looking for a someone. Supposing him to be the gardener. What? (laughs) Why? Why? Why didn't you assume that it was supposing him to be a pilgrim or a traveler or... The gardener, Jesus has his big wide brim sun hat on. He's got a hoe in his hand. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Okay, how in the world is she going to do that? That is a grown man. What, are you going to throw him over your shoulder and take him home? She hadn't even thought that far. Get me my Jesus. I'll find a way. I'll grab a wheelbarrow. I'll take that man home. She's not thinking through practically. She's thinking through with her heart and she is so passionate. Just give me my Jesus and everything is better. Why didn't Mary recognize Jesus? He's been talking to her. He just said a couple lines to her. She didn't recognize his voice. That's intriguing. Why didn't she recognize him? Is it because that she had so many tears going on that she couldn't see through him? Maybe, but I would suggest that even when you're crying, if the one that you're looking for and you keep scouting for him, You probably would have picked up on it, maybe. Did he shield his appearance from her for some purpose? Well, I don't know. He's about to reveal himself to her in about two seconds, so maybe not. Here's my guess, and it may not be right, but my guess is she's so focused on one outcome, she's having a hard time seeing anything else. 
Same reason she didn't react off angels. I don't think she reacted off her Lord. But look at this. Jesus said to her, Mary, the moment she heard her name on his lips, everything changed. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means rabbi, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, wait, hold on. Don't cling to me. Don't hang on. I've not yet ascended to the father. You're going to go tell my, tell my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father, your father, my God, your God. All right. So what just happened? She just transferred from hearing his voice to hearing her name on his voice. And right there, it triggered everything. And she went, that's him. He doesn't look the same. Last time I saw this guy, his head was swelled up the size of a basketball. He was beat. He was bruised. He was torn apart. He was dead. I watched him get wrapped up. I know what's going on here. When I saw him, he was cold and dead and lifeless. And now this bright, shining, radiant Jesus is in front of me. But when I heard my name, when I heard him say my name, I knew everything changed right then. And I thought, that's my Lord. And everything became right again. And so she mauls him. Ah, Just bear hug, starts attacking him, right? And then he's like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, don't hang on to me. Now, why is he saying that? Is he really like, oh, you're ruining my white. Oh, you're getting snot on me. Stop it. Probably not. It does kind of sound rude. I mean, if she's been crying and waiting for him and when she was crying at the tomb, she's wailing. And so wouldn't it make sense that she'd want to hug onto him? Notice it doesn't say don't touch me. That's not the word in Greek. It doesn't say don't touch me. You're going to soil me. It says don't hang on to me. Because I think that what's going on is I don't think she ever wants to let him go again. I think that's a hug like, no, we're not going to. You know how you hug people and there's an understanding time when you both are supposed to break? Have you ever had like the, the lingerer? You're like, oh, we're not breaking. Going back in. <laughs> right? I think he knew full well there was not going to be any break here. She's going to hang on. She's like, I let you go once. I'm never letting you go again. So I don't think at all that it was rude. I think that it was actually loving. And here's why. I think he said, don't hang on to me for two reasons. Number one. I think it went something like this. Hey, hun, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm here for another month or so. Man, I'm going to be here for 40 days. We're going to hang out again. Okay, we don't need to hang on. I'll let you know when I'm permanently stepping out. I'm not permanently stepping out. Quite frankly, honey, you remember I saw you four days ago. We're okay. I'm going to see you again real soon here. So you don't have to hang on like that. We got more time. Now, when I am going to permanently leave, I understand there's going to be some concerns there, but that's the time is not yet. I think the other reason is he's going, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. You got a job to do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not just about you and me. I, I understand right now you're filled with joy. Do you understand that your brothers are, are weeping and crying and mourning while you're all happy? That's kind of messed up. Okay. So what I need you to do, I gave you a treat to see me first, but it's not just yours. I need you to go and tell someone. I need you to get out there. Now, of course, are we all seeing the tie-in here, right? Y'all hearing the sermon come to life, right? Uh, It's cool that y'all are at church and you have the answers to the ache of your heart. It's nice that you know that there is life beyond the grave. Not every one of your neighbors knows that at home. I think it's fantastic that you have this wonderful place where you can come 
and be around like-minded people that all talk about the hope of Jesus Christ. But not everybody has that. So as much as it's nice for you, other people are still crying. Can we just fix it for them too? That would be nice. So I think he said, you got a job to do. So, hon, you can't hang on to me right now. We got to get some stuff done. All right. Says this. And after appearing to Mary, remember that other group of ladies hasn't gone very far. They're all freaked out and talking, 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 hanging out at Starbucks, trying to figure out what's happening. And after appearing to Mary, seriously, check this out. Jesus met them, that group of women. And he said, hello. (laughs) It's so funny because this, when we read words like greetings, it always sounds formal. That is no different than a, what's up? That in, in their language. There's nothing fancy. We always figure that every time Jesus shows up, he's like, my people. <laughs> oh, beloved ones. Okay, I, that's not right. All he says is the same thing he said to him every other time he hung out with his friends. What's up? Hey, guys. Hey, ladies. He said, greetings. And they came up and they took hold of his feet. They hung on to him. Notice he lets them touch him. It's, it was really not the touching thing. And they worshiped him right there. If they worshiped him right there, can we all agree that worship is more than just music? It wasn't like they were like, Mary, do you have the guitar? Here's a little something I wrote for you. <laughs> That's... They worshiped him because they, they made him out to be a big deal. That's what worship is. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Don't be afraid. Why would they be afraid? That's who they were looking for. I mean, they came really to see him and then the angels were like, he's alive. And they were like, oh, that's awesome. I can't wait till I see him. And all of a sudden they see him and now they're afraid. That's weird. Why are they afraid? Why did he have to tell them that? Because I believe that there's some people that just make you nervous. Don't get me wrong. You want to be with them. You're just nervous to be around them. So mostly you're nervous about you. <laughs> you're not necessarily worried about what they're going to do. You're worried about what you're going to do. Some of you will have to remember all the way back when you first met someone that you thought was cute. Y'all remember that? You wanted to talk to them. You just could not. Right? Your tongue got all tied. And you're like, I'm going to make myself out to be an idiot. I don't want to do that. Right? Or have you ever been maybe uh, starstruck? celebrity comes in you're like man i've been thinking about you you're on the radio you're on the tv you're on this you're on that all that stuff whatever it is and you're like man that's so weird we're talking (laughs) right you built up something in your mind and been a little bit nervous about that Um, i would suggest that there's even another level and the other level is there's some people that are just unsettling to be around because of the power of god in their life when jesus has all of his glory When Jesus is in his resurrected body, when we are now looking upon the one raised from the dead, you're a little off kilter. You're a little nervous because his radiating power is so incredible. And so I think they wanted to be with him so bad, but I think they were a little bit nervous because he is the king of all creation, right? says this and returning from the tomb now mary is hooked up with those ladies and now they're all going to go tell the disciples returning from the tomb mary magdalene and joanna whose husband worked for king herod and mary the mother of james who i think is jesus's mom and the other women with them which there is at least five 
They all went and announced all these events and messages from angels and Jesus to the 11 disciples who had been with Christ, the apostles, and to all the rest. What do you mean all the rest? I thought there were only 12. No, that's wrong. By the time we hit Acts and see where the church is at, there's 120 of them. There's a big old herd of disciples. Now, is there thousands? Well, not collectively there, but there's 120 that hung out together, men and women. That was the church. And so when they came back, there was a big group of them, men and women all hanging out together, kind of sorting this stuff out. But notice what they were doing. They came to them as they mourned and wept. They're sad. They're talking about losing the one they love the most. And they're crushed in their heart. They need good news. These women have good news. So it says, we, the women said, we've seen the Lord. And they're waiting for that reaction. Man, we saw him with our own eyes. We were talking to him and he said these things to us. But when the group heard that he was alive and had been seen by the women, these words seemed to them an idle tale like the babble of the insane. And they did not, they would not believe them. What a drag. You had all this good news. You're like, yeah, I saw him. They're like, no, you didn't. Okay, well, whatever. Forget you then. I know I saw him. But they're like, I know I'm not receiving that until I see him myself. Why do we always have to have it ourselves? Why can't we receive the testimony of somebody else? Y'all have probably heard stories of miracles. You won't believe it. Not until you get it, right? It's got to happen to you. Is that necessary? Here's the other thing. They were probably praying from the moment he was arrested for the father to release Jesus to them. And now he is released and they can't even receive it. Y'all remember the story when Peter was in jail and the Bible says that the whole church was praying for Peter to be released. And then when an angel came and released him and he comes and knocks on the door, this servant comes to the door. She's like, ah, it's Peter. And then she runs back and tells him and they wouldn't believe her. You're praying for it and it happens and you won't believe it. Then what are you praying for? Okay, so here's the crazy thing. Why are we so resistant to the miraculous just because it's weird? Isn't everything about God weird? Isn't God weird? Aren't we weird? Yes. So if everything is weird, why wouldn't you assume that the answer to a prayer would be weird? We have this whole weird, uh, oh, there you go. We have this whole just uh, unusual like paradigm where we put things into categories. It's almost like in a movie when you have to suspend your disbelief and you allow certain things. You're like, oh, he could totally jump out of a plane without a parachute, but he can't shoot lasers out of his eyes. Okay, what? No, none of those are right. But in the movie, you create what is right and what is wrong in your own mind. Well, we start saying things like salvation. No, 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 that can happen, but not healing. I'm sorry, what? Okay, salvation's impossible. Healing's impossible. So can't we put them in the same category? We always get stuck on this whole, that was weird. That's too weird. There must be another explanation. Why? Why must there be another explanation? What, because that's more real? than the God you believe in. Come on, really? That doesn't even make sense. Why does there always have to be a logical explanation? What if the logical explanation is that God is real? What if the logical explanation is that there really are supernatural things around us? That should be the norm. So this is interesting. Here's where it goes from there. 
After these things, the events earlier in the day, that very day, two of them, two of that group of 120 could have been a husband and wife. It does not say it was two men. We always talk about the two guys walking on the road to Emmaus. You don't know it was two men. We know one of them was a man. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles northwest of Jerusalem, and that they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened, crucifixion, empty tomb. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself appeared in another form to two of them as they're walking in the country. He morphed his form, just like the angels do, and shielded himself from them being able to understand. He drew near them, he joined them, and went with them on their journey, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Again, Jesus is right there, but they can't track with him. That doesn't mean he's not there. He is there. He said to them, so what's this conversation that you guys are holding with each other as you walk? What are you guys talking about? They stood still because they're like, man, this is super heavy. My heart's hard. Uh, my heart's heavy. I'm looking sad, right? They stopped to reflect. What do you mean what conversation are we talking about? We're talking about the most important thing in the world. Then one of them named Cleopas, unknown to us, but known to the early church, answered him, what are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know these things that have happened in these days? Are you the only pilgrim? to jerusalem that doesn't get it man everybody knows the jesus story what are you talking about how do you not know this and jesus said no what things okay there's irony right there jesus what jesus who is this jesus you speak of does he know it's him so why did he say that why did he say that because that's how he works with his kids is that he allows them to express and share their heart. He knows where they're going. He knows what's happening. This is about him understanding and letting you process. This is about you getting it out of your head. This is about leading you from fantasy land up in your head into reality where he can deal with it. This is about you putting everything out on the table so he can rearrange the pieces. Understand that when you pray, you're not bringing Jesus up to speed, right? Lord, I don't have enough money for my bills. What? <laughs> what did you do with the $5 I gave you last month? <laughs> no, seriously, look at my checkbook. Okay, he knows. You're not giving him information. You're getting your head in the game. And you're coming up to speed. Now, is he allowing you to do that and being patient with you? Yeah, he really is. Is he's going, how about you tell me your side of it? I know my side of it which is reality, but I'd love to know your perspective. And so they begin to talk out. They said, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who is a prophet, mighty in deed and, and mighty in word before God and all the people and how our religious leaders, our chief priests and rulers, they delivered him up to be condemned to death. I mean, even onto a cross, they handed him over to Rome who crucified him. Man, how do you not know the Jesus story? It's like the best story ever, and it's the most crushing story. How do you not know that? Notice the power of Jesus' ministry. Everybody knew it and had such an impact. Here's what I think is intriguing. Today, we have better media, but he had better results. Today, right? I mean, we have more tools. He just had better impact. Why? He had a two-pronged ministry. 
And I think we need to figure this out. He had a two-pronged ministry by which he changed the world. He advanced the kingdom by two means. Number one is he preached the gospel, the good news. And the second thing was he backed it up by what he did. Until we figure that stuff out, we're pretty much a lame duck. Or else we're just going to go on one angle. He demonstrated the kingdom and he taught about the kingdom. That's our job. However, we all want to figure that out. Let's do that. Right? Because that will bring about change. It says this is why they're sad. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We, we thought he was the Messiah. We still kind of think he's the Messiah. But it's not working out right. I mean, I thought he was going to like free us from Rome and he'd be our mighty leader. And I thought that things were going to change practically. Yeah, besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. Now, why did they say that? You automatically go, well, because Jesus said he was going to rise on the third day. I don't think they remembered that. It's possible that they said that because of a Jewish belief that the soul hangs around the body for three days and then it departs. Now, that's not true, but that's what they believed. So what are they saying? We've seen people get up from the dead before, but usually it has to be within three days. So the soul is not very far and it can just stick back in the body and wake up. Like, man, things are getting desperate now. Moreover, some of the women of our company, fellow disciples, amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they'd even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us, like Peter and John, they went to the tomb. They found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. There's still no proof. And then Jesus said this, and he, Jesus, said to them, how dull you are. Man, oh foolish ones. Really? How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Why are you so resistant to what I'm doing? Why, why won't you let me just be me? Why do you have all these other opinions? You're so slow to grow. Why are you so resistant? Was it not necessary that the Christ, the Messiah, should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Wasn't this always the biblical plan? Old Testament, no matter what. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets in the Old Testament, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. How cool would it be to have a Bible study led by Jesus Christ? Man, that would be cool. What do you think he talked about? Do you know that Jesus is in the Old Testament? Did you know that? Did you know that the Old Testament talks about the Lord? Because here's what's intriguing. Most of us don't want to read the Old Testament. We go, man, I want to read the Jesus parts. Let's go to the New Testament. No, no, no. The whole thing's Jesus parts. All of it. You go, no, 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 no. That's not really true because like that one talks about laws and stuff like that and boring stuff. Like then you get to see Jesus. Hold up. The whole thing is Jesus. Let me give you an example. Let's say he led him through stuff like this. Maybe he began just in Genesis, talking about the Abrahamic covenant that through the Jewish people would come a Messiah through which all people on earth would be blessed. Maybe he started there. And he said, yeah, 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 that's Jesus. Maybe he talked about the sacrificial system that revealed that there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Maybe he talked about Passover and said, yeah, that's about Jesus because you had to have the blood of the lamb put on the doorframe of your heart so that the angel of death would pass over you. Maybe he talked about that. Maybe he talked about the prophecies of the crucifixion. Maybe the prophecies of the Messiah. Maybe the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. Maybe he was talking about 
what, the tabernacle and how there was a, a way in. Maybe he would, what, what do you think? What do you think he talked about? Because here's what I think they felt like when he was done. Oh, you're right. We did miss those 400 points. That's a good point. So they drew near to the village to which they were going because they had been talking for miles. He acted as if he was going farther. That word normally means he pretended. Jesus is like, look at me, I'm going forward. Look at me. Oh, I got a lot of stuff to do today. Now, why did he do that? Because look, but they urged him strongly. Normally that word in Greek means to force someone. They urged him strongly saying, no, 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 stay with us. For it is towards evening and the day is now far spent. So we went to stay with them. And I, here's what I'm missing. Why did it look like he was going on? Is this just Middle Eastern hospitality stuff going on? Where you're like, boy, am I tired. I better be heading home. No, wait, stay with us. No, I could never. No, seriously, we'd love for you to stay. Mm, I don't want to impose. No, seriously. Is that what we're doing? We're doing this little back and forth kind of thing? Or did Jesus go, I'm moving on. And they went, no, 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 we want you to stay. I don't know. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. And you go, oh, communion. No. That's called normal Jewish meal. What do I mean? I mean that the way that Jewish meals always start is a thanksgiving to God. And then the host or the most significant male in the room will break the bread, lift it up to heaven, thank the father for his provision, and then they start the meal. So this is not a fancy communion. This is just dinner. And their eyes were opened just like that. Oh my gosh, it's... Right? And they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. How cool is that? The bread just goes ding, 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 falls on the earth. Whoa! They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us? That means inner warmth. While he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. And they went back either that night or the next day and they told the rest of the disciple group, but they didn't believe them either. Bummer. Man, didn't you feel it? Didn't you feel it, man? When we was talking, I mean, he's sharing this stuff and I was like, ooh, that's a good point. That's a good point. But it was more than just a good point. I felt like something was going on inside where I was going, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. It was resonating in my soul. I mean, it could even mean that, man, I felt like this warmth was going on and I was thinking there's something different here. Do you understand that that's how the Holy Spirit still speaks? Now, sometimes he pops thoughts in your head. Sometimes there's the warmth. Sometimes there's just a resonance, sometimes, whatever. But he's still talking to you. You got any of that right now? Because that's the Holy Spirit going, you know what that pastor's saying is true for you. Here's the, probably the most powerful piece. And I'd like to close with this. Jesus was going to move on until he was invited to stay. There's no indicator in the Bible that he wouldn't have kept walking. I don't know why. But the way that God works is he doesn't force himself into your life. I don't know why. Here's how he should do it. He should go, y'all are diseased. 
lay down and I'm going to jam a needle in your arm with the antidote. That's what he should do, but he doesn't. He's way nicer than that. He hangs out and he says, so I, I can fix that yucky thing that you got. You want me to? No, 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 Jesus, I'm good, I'm good. All right. Everything he does, he leaves open this option. Do you want more or no? He doesn't press it in. So, for example, in parables, he would tell stories that were kind of complicated that if you wanted more, you'd have to get closer and ask him about it. If you didn't, you just move on and go, yeah, I don't know what that was about. The Bible describes Jesus in this concept. Now, this verse gets taken out of context, but it talks about it like this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. What it does not say is, behold, I kick in the door. Right? Was that important? That's super important. Why? Because here's what the Bible doesn't say. To those that kind of are interested, I'll reveal myself. It does not say those that seek me half-heartedly will find me. The Bible says to those who seek me with all their heart, they'll find me. Do you want more of him or not? If you want more of him and you really feel that way and own it, you will find him. But if you're just playing games and going, yeah, I guess if it's, I guess if it works, it doesn't say the skeptical will know me. It doesn't say the resistant will be convinced. Jesus walks in and and hangs out with sinners and messes with everybody's heads. And the religious people go, I don't understand. You're screwing up. And he goes, well, I didn't come for you then. I came for the sick. I didn't come for the well. As long as you think you're well, see ya. I'm not here for you, man. I'm here for the desperate. Are you desperate? No. Bye. Why does he do that? Shouldn't he force his way in? No. Because this is called a relationship. Bullies don't need relationship. Lovers do. And so he waits and says, do you want more of me or not? You go, oh, the pastor's talking about salvation. He's going to do an altar call. No. (laughs) No, I am not. Should I? Probably. I think you get it. If Jesus is whispering to you and saying, you've never let me in, you have to let him in. Well, he's better convince me more. Bye. See ya. Obviously, we don't have any desperation. Here's what I'm talking about. Was the last time you invited him in at the altar? Because here's the deal. There's a whole area of your life you haven't let the Lord in. You keep compartmentalizing and you give him this portion, but not this portion. You give him this room, but not this room. And he will not break into that room. He will wait for the invitation. Do you know how much more he has for you, but you don't have it because you won't invite him? Do you understand how much our church is limited because we collectively as a family have not invited the Holy Spirit to be free to do that? Do you understand that we can cap what God does because he lets us. I want more. I want more of him because he's the solution to everything that's wrong with me. I mean, I want more of him because he's the solution to all the problems of my friends. I want more of him because I think playing church is lame. 
I want more of him because we came here to be touched by God. And so if he's standing outside the door, no, 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 and nobody's getting it, what are we doing? Man, in your own life, there's areas of addiction you're not inviting him in. There's areas of anger and unforgiveness and hatred. You're not letting him in. You haven't invited him and you keep waiting for him to take out the trash, but it's behind a closed door. So here's what we're going to pray. We invite you, Holy Spirit, right here, right now, and give you full invitation and freedom to take out the trash and fill it up with your presence. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Right now, we come to you and we say, yes, Lord, yes, more of you and more of you in our lives, in our church, in our homes, in our offices, in our schools, in our relationships, in our addictions. Right now, we say, yes, we open the door wide, not a little crack, because we need you to come in and take out the yuck and backfill it with your glory. And so we say, yes, we invite you to walk through our past. We invite you to walk in our present. We invite you to lead us into the future. We invite you, Lord, to take away the nastiness. We ask you right now that you would lead us into places we don't even know that something's wrong. Because we want more of you. We are not content with what we have. Not when it comes to you. Because we know that we have shut you out. And so right now we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, more of you, more of you, more of you, more of you. More of you in this place. We collectively as a family say we want more of you. We want more of your influence, more of your power. We want more of your presence. We want this this campus and our new campus to be filled to the brim of overflowing with you. Because where you are, everything is right. And so we invite you. We give up all authority to you. Every power that we have, we hand over to you. Every, every crown we have, we cast before your throne. Every uh, uh, authority that people have given us, we hand back over to you. And we say, you have your way. You do what you want, God. You're the mighty one. You're the right one. You're the creator. You're the sustainer. You're the miracle worker. You're the one that knows how to fix us. You're the healer. You're the the transformer. And so right now we say, we're done. You take over. So Holy Spirit, walk this place and do what you do best. We give you permission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week. We will see our prayer teams up here for you. They'd love to pray with you.
Let's get up here and walk us through God's word. Uh, well, good morning. 